HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley. I've got a really fun one for you uh, today. I got to talk with my buddy Pierce, and over the last couple of weeks, I've kind of given Pierce some crap about um, his, you know, first of all, missing the deadline to apply for turkey tags. Then uh, he may or may not have overslept on one of the days that he wanted to wake up early and try to get some of the leftover tags. And so uh, he's had a rough go of it. And then he was, you know, going to try to tag along with me on some hunts, but wasn't able to do it for one reason or another. So it's just been a tough spring for Pierce. But he was able to actually tag a bird yesterday. That is uh, on Mother's Day, actually. He was able to get out and get it done. So really really happy for him i was immediately like hey man the episode that i had scheduled i'll bump that back i want to get this as as live as possible uh and so actually when i interviewed pierce for this particular turkey story um i hadn't heard the story yet i knew he'd gotten the bird uh i knew the property that he was on other than that i had zero details because i wanted to be getting it live and fresh with you all so that's what we get into today, a little bit of uh, kind of the the saga, if you will, of Pierce's spring, which has been a little bit tough, but then the the vindication, the redemption that he got with this bird uh, ended up being a really nice bird. We talk about that at the very end of the episode, and then also a couple of lessons that he learned from this bird. You know, I'm always asking the question, not only of myself, but of others, okay, this experience that you had or this animal that you took. What's the one thing that that experience or that animal taught you that others had not? Like, what's the thing that you're taking away with you as part of that memory? Uh, So, yeah, lots of good stuff in this episode. Uh, Not to mention, it's just always great to catch up with Pierce. I just dig talking to the guy. So we had a a good chat. So anyway, uh, before we jump into the episode, though, I do want to say a big thanks to our partners. First of all, Tacticam, they're the title sponsor of this show. They've got an awesome deal going on right now. They've got the Turkey FTS Package which gets you a solo extreme camera, a film through the scope system, which is, if you haven't seen it before, it kind of goes onto your uh, a scope, either rifle scope or a red dot, and allows you to attach your Tacticam camera directly to your scope. It also comes with an extra battery, and you're going to get all of that for $251.98. That's a savings of like, I don't know, 108 bucks, 109 bucks, something like that. Saves you a lot of money, over $100. So if you're interested in that, go check it out, tacticam.com. If uh, if you don't use uh, a, you know, a scope or a red dot or anything like that, I still highly recommend the 6.0 camera. It is super, super hard to beat. Their barrel mount is awesome. I've had it on anything from a 410 all the way up to my 12 gauge. <clears throat> and uh, with the different adapters that they send you or the different uh, spacers that they send you, I've been able to make it all work just right. So head over, tacticam.com, 
pick you one up before it's over with. And if you're looking forward to deer season, maybe go ahead and grab a 6.0 and a stabilizer mount and start shooting with that thing now because you don't want to be waiting until September uh, to try to put that on your bow and learn how to shoot and film with that. There is a little bit of a learning curve, especially with archery equipment, because the temptation is as soon as you take the shot, you drop your arm. Well, if you're filming the animal and your bow is your camera, you don't want to drop the arm. You want to be able to keep filming. So go ahead and pick that up so you can practice with that. Next up, Onyx. The more I hunt, the more Onyx comes in handy. It gives me the confidence to get out on properties that honestly I've never been to in the daylight. I've done that a ton this year. Uh, go to properties that I've found on the map, never been to them in the daylight. Just show up and uh, whip out the Onyx and I'm ready to go. One feature I'm paying a lot of attention to right now is the uh, agricultural map or the ag layer on there that lets me know what the different fields were planted in last year and what they're going to be planted in this year as I'm doing a little bit of planning and seeing okay this farm was corn last year so it's probably going to be beans this year therefore I probably want to be there on my late July early August drives around town to try to see what bucks are hitting those uh, hitting those soybean fields love that layer also it's that time to be planning not only your uh your spring turkey trips as if you've got any of those left in you uh, but also your fall deer hunting trips so uh, you know if you're looking to head out of state this fall go ahead and pick up that elite membership it's going to get you um, private and public land boundaries and a whole host of other features for all 50 states for only like 99 bucks so it's a really really good deal you can go learn more at onxmaps.com or you can find them at the app store of your choice just search the Onyx Hunt app. And last but not least, obviously, Huntworth. Uh, guys, I bragged on it all year. Uh, it did great for me during the fall, during deer season. It did great for me during turkey season. Unfortunately, today was the very last day of turkey season here in Georgia, where I'm currently residing. Man, as I was pulling out of my kids' school this morning, too, there's a big tom in the uh, pasture across the field. And I just had to sit there and watch him, knowing that if I had permission on that property, I could probably get after him. But uh, you know what? It was 90 degrees today anyway. But I have confidence that if I had been able to get after him, I would have felt okay in my Durham lightweight pants as well as one of my uh, really lightweight shirts. If you're looking to add to your camo collection this fall, I highly recommend the Tarnin pattern. I also really, really like their heat boost stuff. It has kept me warm in some temperatures that I did not expect during turkey season. And then obviously last November, we had wild fluctuations of temperature, but no matter what, my uh, Huntworth camo kept me comfortable. So you can go learn more from them at huntworthgear.com. Big thanks to those sponsors for helping me do this each and every week. Now let's jump into the episode talking turkey with Pierce Nellis. All right, on this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, we've got Pierce Nellis back on who may have gone turkey hunting. Pierce, what's the story from the timber? Well, I uh, I got a field tag, luckily. Uh, okay. I'm a little punchy right now, running on about four hours of sleep. So I was trying to help my buddy fill his tag this morning. But, yeah, we got her done yesterday morning, and, uh, yeah, feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, so, Pierce, I was thinking earlier what I should call this, uh, this episode. And I, part of me wants to call it the turkey season that almost didn't happen because you uh, you struggled. <laughs> Dude, that's that's terrible. I'm sorry. That's like throwing you straight up. Like, man. <laughs> the, the turkey season that almost wasn't. Um, this was a rough one for you. Uh, things did not happen 
like we thought they would. I actually um, alluded to some of that in the last two episodes, right? Of of things didn't go quite like oh, you thought. I so so <laughs> I I heard you throw me straight under the bus, Josh. Uh, so l- talk to me a little bit about what what the heck happened when you were supposed to be applying for your turkey tags by by December 10th. Is that it? I think it's December 10th. I think December 10th. Yeah. So everyone listening right now, let's just all take 30 seconds, pause the podcast, go into your calendar and just set a reminder for December 10th to submit your application. For you don't already have that in there? I don't want anyone to have to, uh, uh, you know, not yet, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well... That's probably what's going to go in there right after uh, right after this, this episode here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Don't don't be like me. Don't don't put yourself through the uh, the heartbreak of realizing like, oh my god, I forgot to apply for getting a tag. Yeah. Um, so you didn't apply, but but I you I a couple of years ago it was like December thirteenth, but I don't know. Yeah, they don't give you a lot of time, man. Like it's it's way before people are normally thinking about turkey season when you've got to have that application in and there are some other states that are application states too and Mm -hmm. they're not nearly that early like they're not even i mean they're all you know february Mm -hmm. i think one is like april 1st and their season starts on april 25th or 22nd or something like that so they you basically you have it's three weeks before the season yeah and that's when you do your you know your thing so it's cutting it close i mean the state doesn't have a lot of time they it's a quick turnaround but dude that would be very helpful for for hunters, I feel like, especially folks like you who forget to do it. Um, but so tell me a little bit about the tags that you did get because you were able to actually go in and scoop up some tags. One of the things I love about Wisconsin's tag system is there are always leftover tags. You can scoop in there, get a couple of them. What did you get? So I ended up getting a zone one um, season D tag, four season tag. Uh, I was planning on grabbing a zone five uh, season E tag, which I uh, worked late the night before. Um, those went on sale and really dropped the ball. I'm picking those up as well. Uh, so I scrambled and I grabbed a zone two tag for season E. Um, and actually just last night after I finished registering my bird, um, that I got yesterday, I bought a six season tag for zone one again, but there's still zone one tags for season E and F on sale right now. So I might end up, if I can find a little bit of time, I might still grab one for, for next year. Um, but right now the game plan is zone two next week and uh, zone one again, the following to wrap things up. Yeah. Well, this little reminder is going to air tomorrow. So if you want to go buy another one, <laughs> Pierce, I would recommend you buy one before tomorrow morning because this is going to go live at like 4 a.m. So, uh, yeah. If you, oh, I've got them. I've oh, got you got them. Okay, all right. So we're good to go on that. We're good to go on that. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I got to give you a hard time. Number one, because you missed the first deadline. Number two, because it sounded like you had a pretty sweet thing going with in zone five, uh, right? And and yeah. that didn't end up working out because, well, you work late. It's hard to get up early, and, you know, one thing leads to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you did have the thing. Here's the, here's the real thing. I, so I, I haven't been turkey hunting all that long. I got into it during COVID. And so when I got into it during, you know, in 2020, I 
like it was literally, I was bored. My buddy was like, Oh, you should come turkey hunting with me. Like go buy a tag right now. And so I didn't even know about the queuing system. I had no clue. Yeah. And so I was just kind of like, all right, sure. Like whatever, I'll grab one. He's like, yeah, they're still on sale. And, uh, that was quite the rude awakening because I was like under the impression 10 AM these tags go on sale on, you know, Monday of, you know, March, whatever. Um, and so I'm like, all right, 10 AM I'll be there. And I log on and, uh, immediately see the, the queuing system saying like, Oh, you're, uh, or like you've got, 7,009 people ahead of you. And I was just kind of like, what? That's not what I was hoping for. And so I ended up, I couldn't get a um, third season tag. So I got a four. Um, but luckily zone one just got a pile of tags that they sell. So yeah. it worked out. And then again, I did the same exact thing on uh, zone five. So that was a bummer. <laughs> yeah, dude, zone one, zone one's legit, man. And they've, I mean, gosh, I don't know the bird population and numbers out there. I know they've got a lot of tags. I hear they have a ton of birds. I've seen a lot of birds out there, I guess, but like, I don't know, man, that zone two is just got a lot of birds. Zone two is popping. So so you, okay. So you've noticed it as well. Like zone for those who have maybe heard me over the last couple of weeks who may think that I'm incorrect. Zone two is exploding with turkeys this year. Am I right? (laughs) Can confirm. Like they are freaking everywhere. But hey, uh, it's also hard to get a zone two tag. I mean, you've got Madison <clears throat> right there in zone two. You've got um, uh, Milwaukee in in zone two. So pretty big population centers and a lot of people that live in between. Meanwhile, uh, well, I guess part of Madison may be zone one, um, but. Uh, there's, it's just a lot of, a lot of folks, it seems like in zone two. So those tags go pretty quick. They're kind of hard to get, but, uh, so you did end up getting out though for, was this your first Turkey hunt of the year? I, I would say first really like organized intentional Turkey hunt of the year. Yes. All right. So walk me, what do you mean organized uh, and intentional? Did you accidentally go Turkey hunting one day? Not accidentally, but I had a guide trip last Thursday and it was, the weather was crappy on Wednesday and I had to work. And so then, uh, I had a guide trip on Thursday. And so I did that, that went until five and it was, uh, like, you know, hour and a half drive back home. And I was looking on Onyx and saw there was some, uh, hat property around where I was guiding about 15 minutes from it. And I was like, all right, well maybe I'll, I'll pop out there. And so I got up early and left, uh, left home you know, an extra hour early, uh, that morning. So I could go out and hopefully hear some gobbles and see some toms and stuff. And sure enough, I drove by this place and right down in one of the big, uh, you know, kind of hollows on this property, you know, smack dab at the mouth of it. There's a strutter with two hens, um, hanging out down there. So I was you know, pretty optimistic, but then, uh, you know, <clears throat> did my guide trip, had to organize gear and everything. I had to drive down there. I had to get dressed, had to, you know, get everything and hike out there. Um, only was out there for about an hour and a half, just trying to strike up a bird and couldn't do it. And at that point I was just beat from being up so early and figured I'd hit the road. Um, even though I, uh, got a real slap in the face, uh, by the, the public land hunting gods. And, uh, there was another truck in the property when I pulled in and, uh, I get up on top of this ridge and I'm kind of working 
across it and I'm calling and I hear what I think is some scratching and then some wing beats. And so I get pretty excited. I, you know, set up on this tree right on top of this bridge. I start doing some kind of soft stuff. And, uh, I hear what sounds like just some really, really crappy yelping. Like, I don't know, like to me, it sounded just like some guy who just bought a box call and just likes to rip it. <laughs> and so I was like, son of a gun, like that, that guy, whoever, you know, on 500 acres or whatever the property is, you know, he is up this ridge ahead of me, kind of where I was headed, where I wanted to go. Son of a gun. I'm just going to wrap it up. I'm going to head out. And then I hiked back down. And when I got back to the parking lot, his truck was gone. So it was just a really, uh, really fake sounding hand, I guess, but <laughs> Dang. so what, it probably wasn't him. So that's a, that's a little bit of a, of a punch to the gut. Yeah, but at that point, I you know I kind of went into it with the mindset of like I'm only going to go in there to see if I can just strike the hot bird and you know maybe put the moves on them. Otherwise, I'll be on my way. So yeah, Saturday night uh, was my uh, my first actual you know intentional night of turkey hunting. I went out there to um, the property that you and I hunted last year. Um, pretty sweet little spot um, over in Zone One. Um, and went out there. I kind of was talking with the landowner, um, Jim, as we called him last year. And, uh, old Jim's place. He was, <laughs> and I was kind of you know picking his brain. What's he been seeing and all that. Um, and, uh, he says, you know, I haven't seen quite as many as the year before, but you know, every, you know, probably four days ago, I saw two Toms strutting up, uh, kind of by my garden up on top of this big, this knoll. Um, and you know, they, you know, they, they didn't really pay any mind to me every time I'm, you know, I see them while I'm driving up and down the driveway. I don't stop. I just keep on going cause I don't want to spook them for you or anything. And, uh, you know, so he, he was just saying he hadn't seen a ton, but, um, you know, there, there were birds on the property at the very least and, um, had a couple shot goblin animal. He was stacking firewood, um, a couple of days ago. And every time he'd like, toss a log and it would bang on the pile. He would, you know, one of these birds would sound off up in the field above his place. And, uh, I knew there were some in the area, but got out there. It was super windy. Um, and kind of overcast, kind of crappy. Um, uh, the weather was saying in the forecast that it was supposed to rain, um, the entire next day. So I was just kind of under the impression that like, well, that sucks, but I've only got so many days to hunt this season. So, I'm going to get out there. I'll throw defense out in an open spot and, you know, I probably won't hear anything, but at the very least, maybe they'll see my, you know, see my decoys and come in. Um, and so that night I sat up there, wind was blasting, um, the neighbor's dog near where I was sitting for whatever reason was just going nuts. And so I didn't hear a single thing. Um, I, I shouldn't say that I heard one gobble that sounded like it was way off in the distance across the highway. Um, and so I was kind of, you know, I packed it in early, uh, went out to my folks place and went to try and, you know, roost a couple birds there. Didn't hear a thing. So I was like, this isn't good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I know the storm's rolling in, but like uh, normally at least here's something. All the turkeys got up and moved to zone um, two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <I> must have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I, you know, I, 
was checking weather, you know, every 20 minutes, it seemed like on Saturday night, hoping that the forecast of the rain would push back, you know, a little bit later in the day uh, for Sunday. And I went to bed under the impression that it was going to start pouring rain at about 4 a.m. And so I was fully expecting to, you know, wake up, look outside, hear, you know, rain on the roof or, you know, whatever it may be, and uh, just go out and get soaked for a couple hours and then come in and hang my head. But (laughs) (laughs) um, I I ended up waking up um, at at four and had the window cracked and whatnot and kind of popped my head up and I was like, doesn't smell like rain. I don't think I hear a raindrop. I grabbed my phone quick, checked the weather, and all of a sudden, now it's not supposed to rain until 8 a.m. And I was like, okay, I've got three hours now. Nice. Like, we can work. And uh, I packed it up, shot over to Jim's place, um, and you know, was kind of trying to decide whether or not it should sit on the same point that you and I sat on uh, last year or kind of do what he was recommending and go up. And he's got a, a real big garden on his property um, that he just planted and plowed that he said he'd been seeing quite a few birds. Well, those two Tom's strutting in. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll go up there, you know, it's kind of windy still. So, you know, even if it does rain, at least I'll be set up and then hopefully, you know, this is a high enough open enough spot that these birds can, you know, when they get on the ground, they'll be able to at least see my decoys and hopefully something will get angry and want to come in. Okay. So you're kind of, um, you're up on that high point. So I, you're up on that high point by the, mm-hmm. by the, um, garden. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He had, he got kind of a windbreak along the, uh, I guess it's the North side of his property, which I don't know if you remember that you and I oh, yeah. kind of like, it, it's kind of nice. Cause it was, <laughs> it, it kind of sucked the, you know, hike through with gear on, especially a backpack and a camera and everything like you had last year. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That was a little much. That was a little much, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going there in my brain, but it, um, I'm going there in my brain with you. I like it. All of the journey on Onyx. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm um, doing actually. <laughs> I, was, I was telling my girlfriend the story yesterday and I was literally like, I had it up on my phone. And I'm like, so I sat here, like you see that pin and I moved the pin from here to there. And that's where I, that old thing. Um, and, uh, so I, I get set up there in the morning and, uh, I'm out there, you know, well before, before daybreak, it was like four forty-five, about a half hour till, um, till, you know, first light. And, I'm sitting up there and I start hearing a couple gobbles and I'm like, yeah, they're probably way off. And the wind's still blowing pretty hard uh, up on top of this, this little knoll, I guess you could call it. And I'm just still disheartened from not hearing a single bird gobble uh, the night before. And so I was, I was sitting there and I hear this bird gobble and then I hear another one and it sounds a little bit closer. And I was like, <clears throat> well, he's probably just, he's probably just down the valley, you know, along that same opposite ridge. And then all of a sudden, I mean, like it still amazes me how, how different turkeys sound when they're calling away from you versus when they're facing you. Mm-hmm. Cause all of a sudden, man, it was like somebody just cranked the volume and I heard this gobble and I was like, Oh, they're, they're right here. They're on this ridge that I am, you know, above right now. I might need to make a play on these suckers. Uh and so the two of them were 
gobbling back and forth, uh, kind of at the, the bottom ish of this, uh, kind of like a little swale, um, as you, as you go up Jim's driveway. Um, and they were kind of on either side of it. One was sort of in that point where you and I sat right at the end of the day, uh, last year, that last spot. Um, and the other one was pretty much across his driveway and across this little swale. Um, kind of halfway between there and the point that you and I were on uh, where we sat uh, when we hunted last year. And so I was kind of thinking, you know, I, you know, it, it's windy up here. I don't know if they're going to be, be able to hear me call. You know, I, I don't want to risk not getting them. I bet if I scurry, you know, it's still dark enough. I think I can get through the windbreak and then maybe throw my spread right up at the top of this little swale. So when they come down, if they come this way, cause I'm hoping they're going to want to come uphill. Um, you know, hopefully they'll see that and they'll want to come on in. So I made it through the windbreak, uh, got down to where I thought I wanted to set up kind of at the top of it. So I could still see down into everything and had my decoys, you know, one in each hand. And I was about to pop out into the open. I was kind of looking around and through kind of like the low light, I just see this little black blob drop down out of a tree. And I was like, son of a gun. He's on the ground. He's goblin. I can't get the decoys out, which I was fine with, but still, you know, at the, at the time I was like, he's on the ground. Like I'm a little exposed right now. I just need to get to cover. So I stashed the decoys, um, grabbed my gun, got set up underneath uh, a big pine tree on this windbreak, with you know, some overhanging limbs. And, uh, you know, as soon as I got set up, I kind of looked over to where I heard the first, uh, or I guess the bird that was sort of to my left, um, across the little swale. And all of a sudden I see his little black blob and, the, you know, the early morning light kind of start working through the, the weeds kind of out into the open. And so these two are gobbling at each other and a lot of couples, you know, little clucks and, uh, you know, some soft yelps. They didn't really care about it too much. I don't know if they heard it. I'm going to I think they did just the way the the wind was in that spot. Um, but the two of them basically met in the exact middle of like where the two of them had dropped down, uh, right on this little bend of the driveway and the gravel and both just puffed up and started strutting and spinning in circles real slow and, you know, just putting on a show. And, uh, so I was, you know, happy about that at the very least. Cause at that point they were, like 110 yards away or so. Um, you know, it's just fun to watch. Like that, one of my favorite things about turkey hunting is just watching the birds do their thing. I yeah, mean, for sure. Any other hunting, you know, just that's half the reason why we're out there is to see animals do their thing. Yep. And, uh, so this guy, you know, these two are sitting there strutting and kind of rotating and facing off a little bit. So I'll start calling to him a little bit more. And one of them is real curious. And he'll kind of break strut and he'll pop his head up and periscope a little bit. Um, didn't really want to move. And so I just slowly, you know, every couple of minutes kind of kept giving him a little bit and a little bit. And uh, finally he broke strut and started working up the meadow. Um, it was kind of just, you know, I guess it's a meadow, but sort of an oak savanna type thing, kind of short grass. He starts working up kind of the right side of this swale towards me to the point where he's almost level with me, if not like a little bit above me. Um, so I'm a little nervous, but just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. 
They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. I'm curious with the, the soft calling that you were doing, were you... Were they just little clucks? Were you doing like a series of yelps at them? Were you just scratching in the leaves or whatever? Like what were you, what were you giving them exactly? So all I was really doing was just a couple of, uh, I'd do a couple of clucks and then like maybe like two to five soft yelps, just kind of like slow. Okay. And on the last one, I'd sort of tail it off. But those, those little clucks just sort of little pop. Gotcha. Pop, pop. Then just yelp. Yep, yep, like little stuff like that. Um, for some reason, I've found you know, over the past couple of years, it's those little sort of those bubble clucks almost that, uh, um, you know, I still haven't, you and I were texting about, it, I still haven't figured out how the heck you get that sort of a, a little like whistle into it or that almost like a little bit of a kiki sound. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to, you know, give it a little flavor uh, outside of it. But, um, I was just doing that and that, that seemed to have him curious enough. Okay. And <clears throat> so he kind of starts working his way up and I mean, his head beat red, just beat red. He's not strutting or anything, but he's just looking, he wants to, you know, find me and, uh, kind of works his way around there. And there was a little bit of a rise in the middle of this, uh, spoil over to my right and kind of starts working his way back down and disappears behind that. And I, see his head kind of pop up and bob a little bit while he's walking, you know, through the, just the tops of the grass and then he disappears. And so I'm like, I don't know, either he's going to pop up or he saw me, he didn't like what he saw and he's about to dip. Um, and so I'm, you know, eyes are peeled and then all of a sudden, and all the while he's doing that, the other bird, which definitely heard me is in a full strut, facing straight at me with a pure white head and mm. he did not move once didn't move once and so i'm like either he sees me or he's just really really interested but i don't know why i just hope he doesn't bust me but you know i, I knew he was watching me and as this guy or the, the other one kind of came over to my right i sort of rotated a little bit and swung my barrel just in case he came in that direction i didn't want to have to swing late um, so I was kind of in my head, like, well, I got to roll the dice there because, you know, this other one can't see me and he's closer and he's off in the distance. Yeah. So hopefully he just either doesn't care or doesn't see me. Yep. Um, and so I'm watching for this guy, you know, the second bird, or I guess the first bird, uh, to, you know, pop his head up over this little rise. And instead I see the tops of his fan kind of come back up. Um, right back down in the driveway where that other one was. And so I'm like, son of a gun. He definitely saw me. Like 
I knew it. I knew it was too good to be true. There's no way he's gonna, he's gonna come out and, uh, you know, make it that easy. And I'm lucky that, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of happened. And I saw his fan pop up and I could see like both of them were strutting because then probably 30 seconds after I see his fan and then the two of them start strutting the driveway, another head pops up right over the rise. And I sort of like very slowly, like I, like my eyes kind of like snapped over to that and I slowly like turned my gun over to and towards that. And then, you know, thing takes a couple more steps and I realized it's just a hen who I had no clue was there. Oh man. Um, and she was probably 20 yards from me and just pretty much beelined it towards me until she was about 15 feet to my left. And then she just, I mean, she definitely saw me. There's no way she didn't. I mean, she walked like literally three feet from my decoys that were laying in a pile with a, you know, a a bag (laughs) over their head. They didn't have any color, Um, but she didn't care. I don't know if she had a nest in the windbreak or or what exactly was going on there, but uh, she ended up serving as a pretty darn good live decoy. And so those other two, um, you know, they stayed pretty strutted you know, in full strut. And I called to them just, again, kind of those little bit more aggressive this time, but just basically just more yelps, um, a couple more just slightly louder clucks and just a little bit more uh, kind of like a little staccato on those just to really sort of <laughs> give it some urgency. Um, and got one of them to gobble. Um, and then they slowly, the two of them in full strut started to walk up the same way that that first bird had gone up to my right. And so at this point I'm like, okay, I think it might happen now. Uh, which I was a little relieved by it too. Cause as soon as that, you know, like the first one, when he starts coming in, your heart just bounds, starts pounding. Oh yeah. And, uh, so I was getting the jitters and a little shaky everything with that first one. Cause I was like, Oh my God, he's going to come in here and ended up not. So I kind of like got over the big adrenaline hump. Um, as soon as he started walking away, but then these two start coming up towards me, um, just in full strut. They weren't super vocal once they got off the roost the entire time that I was calling to them. Um, and it was interesting too, that one that had the white head that stayed back while the other one came up, um, his head stayed white the whole time. It was really goofy. Like, I, I don't know if there was just, yeah. I, and I don't know what Turkey color you know, turkey head color has to do with their mood or, you know, if they decide like I'm going to have a red head today and you know, that's how I'm going to attract hens or I'm going to go blue or white or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know what the biology or turkey psychology is behind that. Yeah. But, um, I, I've heard that. I've heard that red is like aggressive. And then I've heard okay, that sure. I've heard that white is when there's like <clears throat> an expectation of breeding on the, the gobbler's part. Interesting. Like, but again, it's just, that's what I've heard. Who knows if that has any credence whatsoever. Um, I've also, I would also imagine like, it seems like a white head would probably be the more submissive. Um, you know, it's just, right. See, it seems natural that that would be the case. Like a red head is like, he's saying I'm the boss, you know, but a white head would be like, eh, right. I want to strut, but I don't want to, I don't want to get my tail whipped. You know, right, right, absolutely. But anyway, huh. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, you know, I never, I never heard of that. But you better believe I'm going to start telling a bunch of people that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it on a podcast that way everybody thinks I'm an idiot. 
Um, so, nah. yeah. Or tells their friends. That's right. Or they tell their friends. What are you and, uh, about? I heard it on a podcast. That's right. great. Yeah. Had to be right. That's right. <laughs> if you if it's if it's been on a podcast, it's got to be true. So, um, <laughs> anyway, all right. So they're 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 interested. I guess we could say. Yes. Yep. And so they're kind of working up basically on the same exact path. Um, and I'm a little worried that they're going to go right past me and just go straight up into that garden that, uh, I'd originally set up on and just blow past me and sit up there and strut. And then my goose would be completely cooked and I'd have no shot at, you know, getting around to them anyways. Um, because you know, th- those at that morning, those are the only two birds that I heard, <clears throat> um, gobbling. And so I, at that point I was like, if these guys don't, cooperate. I don't exactly know what I'm going to do. So they, they, they kind of started continuing towards me and that one's head stayed white the entire time. And the other one that had the redhead, um, who was definitely more curious of the two, he was definitely like actively speaking for, you know, searching for that hand, um, that he thought that I was, uh, he did the exact same thing that he did the first time. And he kind of broke off from the other one. He broke strut. And I was like, all right, he's behind you know, a couple of these big oak trees. His head's going to pop out on one of them and he's going to be in range. And like, I'm just ready for it. And sure enough, he kind of disappears, disappears. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe he's spooked or maybe he's going to show up here, you know, very shortly. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm still watching the other one who hasn't broken strut yet. Uh, and then all of a sudden, to my left just a little bit. Um, I mean, basically right where that hen popped over the rise, big bright red head pops over. And this one, he was a little bit closer. He's probably at like 15 yards. And I was like, Oh, all right. I guess you're the one. So I <laughs> <laughs> kind of turned slow. Cause I was like, you're either going to see me or you're going to die. And, uh, you know, luckily I, I turned quick enough and, uh, thought that I got my beat on him, but, uh, shot and completely missed him. And he flew up straight, you know, in the air and kind of, you know, fluttered back down maybe 10 yards further and had no clue what was going on. But, you know, as soon as I saw him fly up, I pumped another one and racked another shell and popped up to my knees. And as soon as he hit the ground, I smacked him in the back of the head and rolled him. And that nice. was that. <laughs> nice. Nice. Dude, this was a, this was a big bird. He, so, was, a, he was a first for you. Right. So tell me, let, let's hear the, let's hear the stats. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this guy he added up pretty darn good. He, I mean, he, in my opinion, he was the, the prettiest bird that I've gotten so far. His like kind of those, those sub feathers, on his fan rather than having the the black barring near the tips, they kind of went from the, you know, that sort of striping to rather than having the, the black bar and then, you know, that cinnamon tip, it just, the black bars were pretty much faded out. So they just sort of went from this light kind of Brown barring into these totally like really cool looking kind of cinnamon tipped, uh, um, sub feathers. But, uh, yeah, got up to him. Uh, Grab my phone, sent you a picture. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here looking at those secondary feathers right now. It's looking, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. And uh, I was like, awesome, you know, got them on the ground. I was more concerned with the spurs after our, uh, you know, conversation with Jim, you know, and and the the freaking two-inch daggers that he uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> gifted me last season when we talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was, you know, I was keyed in on the, on the Spurs and, you know, those two are you know, very symmetrical, real sharp, um, about like an inch and an eighth, inch and a quarter, um, a piece. And, uh, I was, I was just fired up. I was just thrilled to have gotten a bird on the ground, you know, that quickly, uh, after all the, you know, emotional turmoil I went through, uh, with the, the whole tag debacle. Um, but so I, I just kind of sat there and, you know, I, I took a couple pictures and, uh, sent it, or sent them to you and, you know, texted you that I got one and all that. And, uh, just kind of sat out there and you know, relished in it for a minute. Cause I, you know, at the time, you know, I think when I shot him or texted you, it was like six fifty three or something like that. Yeah. So it, was, it was real, real early, right off the roost. Um, and so then I, uh, yeah, I grabbed him and I started hiking back to Jim's place and, uh, got up there and he and I were talking and he was all fired up. He was, he heard my shots and was, standing on the porch with a cup of coffee waiting to waiting to see it and uh kind of took my time getting there so as soon as we you know, like got over he's like man i got a little worried i heard two shots and then it took you a while to get back here i've been standing out here for like 20 minutes and i was like you know maybe he just blew it i don't know <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know got him over there and you know set him on his wood pile and we were admiring him and he looked at the beard and all of a sudden i noticed like little separation in there what the heck and i pulled the feathers back on his chest and sure enough that was uh he had a real nice double beard which is my first um and uh yeah you know the front one was 11 inches the second was 11 and a half and i didn't get a weight on him but uh you know 11 and 11 and a half inch beards and inch and a quarter spurs i'll take it that's a big bird. bird That's a big bird, dude. That's a really big bird, man. Well, congratulations. I, I always ask, you know, we'll we'll kind of round it out with this. I always ask it when you harvest an animal, what is the thing that you would say, this is what this turkey taught me? Because I think, you know, it's a shame. Obviously, once that resource is gone, we've harvested it. It's It's done. We will not ever harvest that bird again. But I think one of the things that we do take with us is that lesson that we learned, right? So what did this turkey teach you um that you'll that you'll remember that'll stick with you i think uh that's a great question i think off the top of my head um there's there's two things that come to mind uh the first is you know shut up when they like when you see they're coming just shut up because that's what gets them to come in that was, you know, I didn't really you know, discuss too much about my calling, you know, when I was telling the story, but pretty much after I saw them coming towards me, once they got up to my right, I gave them just a couple little clucks and then I, I totally shut up and they started working their way towards me. And that was only, I gave the yelps because that hen was 10 feet from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was just a, just a couple of them. And I knew that they'd seen that hen. Um, but then after that, especially, I think if, if you're hunting without decoys, which is my, kind of my second point, you know, I had them with me and I was ready to kind of rely on them. Cause you know, quite frankly, we all love the, uh, the YouTube videos of, of angry Tom sprinting yeah. in and beating the hell out of decoys. Uh, but you know, it just not, not relying on, uh, on decoys quite as much. And, you know, last year when I shot my bird 
then, you know, it was without decoys and it was just a calling thing where my buddy Logan was, ended up just creeping down the hill away from, uh, these birds and, you know, made it sound like the hen was walking away. And, uh, you know, obviously you need two people for that, but, um, you know, just really doing your best to, at least from a calling standpoint, paint the picture of what's going on and get those gobblers curious. Cause you know, does you and I both know if they're, you know, if they're fired up and they're looking for that hen, they are looking for that hen. And until they see something that, you know, really throws them off course, if they see us or, you know, whatever it may be, um, you know, they're for the most part, they're kind of a one track mind, especially yeah. first thing in the morning. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say my two, my two lessons would be, you know, as soon as you see them coming or you, you know, you get a response of some sort, zip it. Um, you know, unless it's like you need them to pop their head up or something to get you a clean shot or something like that. But the other one is just, you know, don't, don't re- rely just cause you have decoys with you. doesn't mean you have to use them. You know, I think there's a time and a place for everything. And I love decoys for line setups where I, I have no clue where birds are at or anything. Um, or I know that I've got space between, myself and those birds but you know if it's they're coming at you you know right there right now um you know stash them and just play a little hide the hand yeah man i those are really really good points i think as soon as you can tell those turkeys are coming your way that shut up piece is huge because even if even if you're not necessarily trying to pique their curiosity anymore or anything like that like just to be able to not give him not give him any more opportunities to look exactly where you're at. Like that's one of the ways that oh, yeah. I view it is like every time I sound off, I'm not only, you know, giving him a reason to come, but I'm also telling him exactly where I'm at. And so if he breaks and comes in right. and he's looking right at the base of the tree where he knows that sound was coming from, well, he's going to see my big goofy self sitting there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't want to give him any more than I have mm-hmm. to. Um, and then, yeah, man, the, the decoy piece I think is huge. I mean, I, I love I love hunting field birds. I know a lot of folks don't like hunting birds in fields. I I kind of love it. I, I love hunting field birds. They're, they'll make you pull your hair out, and you really, you really need to use decoys on field birds a lot of times just because they're not going to – they're not just going to walk yeah. up to the edge of the woods. They're just, they're just not going to do it, you know. Um, but, right. uh, you know, when I'm hunting timber, man, more and more I'm thinking about leaving the decoys at home or, uh, and, and part of it's laziness. I mean, you know, hunting down here in Georgia this, this year was like, I don't want to lug these decoys up and down these hills. I don't want to, you know, it's hot. It's mm-hmm. 80 degrees outside. I don't want to carry these decoys around when it's hot. I don't want to yank these decoys through pine thickets and everything else trying to get to where I'm going. I want to be light. I want to be streamlined. I don't want anything with me. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times they're 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 less of a help than they are a hindrance. I mean, the birds that we called in in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. the first bird that came in, that was, I, I don't know, I don't know what the bird, I don't know if he was the dominant bird in the area, I don't know what it was, but I do know that he came in, he looked at those decoys, and he turned around and walked straight away, like <laughs> he he wanted no part, <laughs> he wanted no part of the decoy. Now, luckily, three more toms came in, like you know, five minutes later, but uh, he wanted no part of uh, of those decoys, so. Uh, yeah, good points, man. Good story. Glad you were able to get out and get a bird. You've got more tags left to fill, though. Um, so looking forward to hearing some more stories of the rest of your turkey Absolutely. season. So, but man, Pierce, thanks for coming on the show again and sharing the story and uh, letting me live vicariously through you because 
I'm officially done for the year. I will not kill another turkey in 2023 unless I shoot one with my bow this fall. Um, up in Wisconsin, oh, not down man. here in Georgia, because I'm not. I will get arrested for doing that down here in Georgia. But um, yeah, so my my turkey hunting is officially done. Done until probably March of next year, which is a little bit of a teaser there for folks. Uh, me and the wife, I think, are going to head down and chase some uh, some Osceolas down uh, in Mickey Mouse country. So, but uh, other than that, oh, yeah. man, Pierce, thanks for coming on the show, man. You bet, man. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.